Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, brought to you by Roast House Pub, one of Frederick's finest craft beer and culinary destinations, where great people come to drink amazing beer. Visit them to track their taps and menu at roasthousepub.com, or download the digital pour app to track what's on tap. This is episode 96, recorded on July 3rd. As a quick note, during this episode, we talk about Fresh Fest, a beer festival held in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Shortly after the recording, the location of the festival was changed to accommodate a larger crowd and more participating breweries. The festival will now be held at Nova Place, which is located at 100 South Common Street, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Go to freshfestbeerfest.com to stay up to date. Hello, I'm your host Chris Sands, and I'm still sitting uh, for several hours now at the East End Brewing Company. This time, though, I'm with Mike Potter from just a laundry list of things you're involved in. But I think specifically we're going to focus on uh, black brew culture right and the Fresh Fest. Indeed. And then to my left is Barrett Tillman, which has an tremendously interesting story that it's like i don't even know who i want to talk to first like both of you guys have great uh great stories to talk about so i think first let's go let's talk about fresh fest first since that's what barrett is here for absolutely so we can bounce back and forth and so mike tell me how did um how did fresh fest come about all right, so Fresh Fest came about. Um, Dave Bracey and Ed Bailey uh, of the Drinking Partners here, local local podcast, um, good friends of mine. Um, the first time that we did a podcast with them, myself, I did a podcast with them. Um, you know, we hit it off pretty good. It was a good podcast. And then uh, afterwards, we, we talked about, you know, he had a thought day. Bracey had, had an idea of doing a festival with uh, predominantly uh, black owned companies or black brewers and because none of us had seen as as of that time uh, a focus on black or african-american breweries um that kind of like popped the thought up into his head and he mentioned it to me and i and i had it going on as well i was like oh at some point i want to do a festival uh you know featuring predominantly african-american themed breweries and and etc so he hit, uh, he hit me up, he called me up, and he said, you know, are you down to meet with myself and about six or seven other guys, and let's discuss the, the idea of doing something like that. And we met, and we were all charged up, and we had a ton of ideas. Everybody was tossing these great ideas around, and we said, all right, this is going to go somewhere. Um, and we c- contacted one another about a month later to, to schedule meeting two, and it was just Day and I. That showed up. Everybody was everyone like, dropped uh, out. They were like, oh, I can't make it. Like, were they like, just too busy, or they didn't think it was going to go anywhere? Work. Yeah, it, it, time it's to time to work. work. Yeah, it's time, it's time to work, and you know, I, and, you know, I, the guys are, are involved of, okay. uh, with the festival, but um, you know, great guys, talented guys, but you know, everybody has stuff going yeah. on, and you know, and, th- and putting a festival on is no small feat. It's no, it's no small feat at all, and. Um, you have to have the heart for that, and they did, and I certainly do. So we showed up, and that way we, we were kind of kind of challenged and insulted, and like, oh, you really? You think we can't do it? You know <laughs> what I mean? So uh, we started the planning process after that, and here we are. So, and this kind of I guess grew from black brew culture. Yeah. 
yeah, for me, uh, for, uh, for for it, it it came out of drinking partners. They're not predominantly black themed, or or you know, they they just do beer. Yeah, comedy and beer. Yeah, comedy and beer. Those two uh, professional comics, comedians, um, but they're two black men as well. So they had the idea, the concept floating around in their minds. Yeah, I guess maybe we should point out for anyone who's only listening and not viewing, you are an African-American I man. I am. Although you do Last have the, you you fit uh, the rest of the motif for a craft beer fan. There you a go. A large, large beard. There it is. Cover the gamut. Yeah. Proud of this beard. <laughs> Don't you dare try to take it from me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we both had that. You know, just an idea, and it, you know, a lot of times with with creative shit, man. If you if you bump into someone who's feeling the same energy and has the same drive and creativity as you, it's like, yeah, let's do this. Drawn together. It's awesome, man. When you get that energy going together, and that's how Day and I started that hitting that off. And we have both have a, a very good network in Western Pennsylvania of uh, people that are like, yeah, man, I'm down. Let's do it. Uh, brewers across the city. Um, African-American owned brands around the city in, in Western PA and I have a nice network of reach of, of, of folks as, as you as you could see man we're right in the presence of, of Barrett Tillman yeah. uh, it's dope that I reached out to my, my folks that you know support and they were like let's do this and down and so let's a little bit more of the I guess the specifics of Fresh Fest because then we want to talk about Barrett a little bit and how he got involved and why he's here. Um, when is it? It is August 11th, and it's going to be at Threadbare Cider House, uh, Spring Garden. Beautiful facility. Actually, we're doing a two-part two uh, setup. Wiggle Whiskey's Barrel Room is going to be the first portion of the festival. Uh, I, meet the, I meet the Brewers via a VIP podcast with Day and Ed, and... Um, going to have like a panel set up for that and then everything shifts to Threadbare's indoor and outs- outdoor uh, grounds facility. How close are those two to each other? Walking distance. Or, okay. Like, like a block. That's two, two locks max. I've never been to Threadbare. I've been to Actually, I don't know if I've been to... Is that Wiggles' new location? Or is that um, the one that's in the middle of, like, downtown? No, type? no, no. There's... I think they might, they might be up to three oh, okay. spaces now, I think. two. I know definitely two. The, the, the middle of downtown is a it's the strip. It's in the strip. That's okay. I think that's our main distillery. And this is the barrel, barrel room. Okay. Uh, they yeah, hold, hold events and one. stuff there. Yeah, it's real, real nice, man. It's like it's indoor, outdoor, cozy. A lot of shows and stuff going nice. on. Um... So how many breweries are you expecting? So we're expecting uh, in approximately 45. That's a lot. It's a good, lot. good number. Uh, yeah. Or, no, I'm sorry. Let's, let's rewind that. 40. Still a lot. Still a lot. <laughs> yeah, still a lot. Um, uh, 25 now collaborations locally. That was the next thing I wanted to bring up because I, I think that's a, that was a really cool aspect of Fresh Fest. Um, and I don't know that I've seen that at a festival, like to like it being a focus of the festival, where you have this long laundry list of collaborations between. Are any of them between two breweries? Or are they are they all like other businesses or individuals with a brewery? Um, yes and no. Not official breweries, uh, but head brewers. Okay. Are doing collaborations. Um, 
but not too owner to owners. Okay. As far as the collabs go, that I can think of, I'd have to look at the list again. But. And you, you're doing one yourself. And I with, am. Uh, just so happens to be with where we're at. Right here. So is this when one of the original craft breweries that you went to, like how you got, are is East End involved in your uh, getting into the craft beer culture? Hundred percent, man. East End is the first uh, craft brewery that I had any. Uh, craft experience with and uh, the relationships have been going on now about 15 years awesome um, great group of guys Scott Smith can't say enough about that guy he, uh, he started teaching me about craft and, and telling me about different styles and introducing me to stuff that I hadn't tried when I first met them around 2005 um, so it was only fitting that we did our collab piece with East End so did you did everyone pick who they were going to collaborate with or did you kind of assign partners like in class or yeah we did we did the assignment thing okay um (laughs) because yeah good question and and we we tried to put personalities that matched and the thing with this with this collaboration portion is that everybody we want everyone to gain something out of this the time that they spend together so um we, if we had a chef, we have a, a few chefs, maybe three chefs or, or food businesses that are collaborating. That We want that to develop into some type of future collaboration or even if it's like, hey, can you cater this event for us? Doing a beer dinner beer or, dinner uh, or pairings uh, and con- consulting, of any, whatever the case. As long as they now know, hey, these, these guys exist here right in our city. Yeah. They do great work. The food's tasty as hell. Had I not partnered with them at Fresh Fest, I may not give them a buzz for whatever. That's reason. really cool. It, that's a nice, thoughtful way of. Yeah, doing I mean, it, 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 we could all have a party. Like we, this could this could either be a yeah. party that we just all fucking drink some beer, or but you're building, we're helping build to, relationships, we're, we're and that's a, moving forwards. Uh, it's a connection that they might not have had outside of this fest. So the, and it was it. Your collaboration with East End is that purely just because? Yeah, that was I, that was on the strength of you know just the that, story. That's who you wanted yeah, to. I I, pro- I I mean I we we originally I wanted to link up Voodoo and I were kind of I know I have an intimate uh, you know a good relationship with those guys, but um, it fit more for East End. I think Voodoo is um, the only Pittsburgh craft brewer that's available in my neck of the woods. Oh, right on. Yeah, they just recently started distributing in the Maryland area. That's dope, man. Oh, really? I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, within maybe the last six months or cool. so. Very cool. So how, um, how involved in the collaboration process have you been? It, are, were you involved with uh, to the point of recipe development or... Is it like you talking to Brendan and Scott about like what you were looking for in a beer? or What level of involvement have you had so far? With mine or with everyone? With yours. With mine. Um, like, yeah, it's been like 50-50. I don't know like how to brew on a large scale. Yeah. So I can't give them any advice on yeah. that. Yeah. But as far as like what we want, what we're looking for, I mean, they've, they've been phenomenal at, at like, hey, Mike, what do you think? Uh, what, you know? mosaic or or nelson you know i'm like i don't know you tell me yeah. <laughs> right but um I, I appreciate them breaking it down for me and, and saying hey this this is what this is going to yield this is what this is going to yield and we've kind of been doing it together uh pretty much every step of the way has it helped you learn a lot absolutely too? yeah definitely um 
I'm, I'm over here more in this year than I've been ever, um, and that's cool for me because yeah. I've always wanted to kind of step my my beer game up, my brewing game. Do you homebrew? Uh, I I do homebrew. I've okay. done plenty of batches. Um, I'm not in the practice of it right at the moment. It's just kind of falling by the wayside. As far because it's as, easier to purchase. Yeah, that's why I it's easier to her. drink. It's easier yeah. for you, you know, just pour it yeah. in and just put my face under the tap. And, but <laughs> I, no, I um, use it. Well, I mean, I used to homebrew. It's it a pain is in just, the ass, man. Yeah, it is, and yeah. it is so much easier just to go to a brewery and get a yeah. growler of something or <laughs> fill so, up a growler and let the professionals do yeah, it, man. and me just enjoy and support them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's. I mean, if, if if that's all your your involvement in craft beer is, then that's. I, I, but I kind of do the, the the magazine stuff and the the other the festival shit. You know, come on, man. I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't squeeze Don't in. Don't have a, time a, for that. Yeah, I can't, I can't squeeze it in. Um, actually, a funny story. We we did a five gallon batch. Some friends of mine. Um, we did a Pliny, the Elder clone, or was it? Yeah, I think it was the double Pliny. And um, we just couldn't find time to fucking bottle it, man. <laughs> so it's been sitting for months i don't know if that's going to be good anymore well i i thought that, <laughs> i thought that um we could probably ask the expert yeah it'll, it'll be uh, pliny the older right <laughs> right pliny the, the deceased <laughs> pliny the dead but the dead man but um you know i've gotten some people have said you know hey as long as it's sealed you're good um some people i haven't heard that it wouldn't be good but i guess i'll find out today well, i mean I, I guess i don't think it'll like be straight up bad but definitely it's not going to be um as hop forward right. as it once was right what was it it was a double dry hopped or double hopped on the on the back end so it's it's got plenty of hops but yeah as long as it's been sitting man i think it's lost a little bit of luster i would say barrett you could probably we're, we're going to say the glory is gone in that one. <laughs> <laughs> Just give it up. That's a drain pour. Yeah. I mean, it's five gallons. You could drink it. Okay. But don't call it plenty. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not build anyone's expectations right. with calling it a plenty clone. Here, have some of this. Yeah. That's Here's the, a beer I made a while ago. <laughs> a um, later beer. Right. No doubt, man. It's so, an old ale. Yeah, there you go. American style old ale. Indeed. So uh, yeah, funny story. I'm getting I get ribbed about that at least once a week from my boys. Well, bottling is the absolute worst part of home brewing. Nah, I, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, aside from the cleanup, yo, know, that part is awful. Also, that's but, the worst. But like the bottling's a problem. I I bottled once, and then I went and bought a kegerator and yeah, kegged yeah, every time yeah, from that yeah. point on, just because. I was not interested in bottling ever again. Indeed. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a real quick break to um, thank the sponsors who make the Uncapped podcast uh, possible. And when we get back, we can talk. We can segue into the collaborations and why Barrett is in town from Texas. A huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, Roast House Pub, which is located at 5700 Urbana Pike in Frederick, Maryland. If you have listened to this podcast before, you have definitely heard me go on and on about the beer dinners that Chef Nico creates. Simply put, they are amazing. But Roast House Pub has much more to offer. Their friendly staff is knowledgeable about beer and will help you choose from among the 20 beers they have on tap. In addition to the awesome beer selection, the food is always amazing. Make sure to follow them on Facebook 
and check their website at www.roasthousepub.com to keep up to date on their constant stream of events. And thank you to our supporting sponsor, Craft Alliance Packaging Solutions. Craft Alliance Packaging Solutions has been serving the craft beverage industry since 2012 and prides itself in helping their customers excel in a constantly growing industry. From concept to cooler, CAPS offers solutions to your packaging needs, providing mobile bottling services, technical support, keg repair, rental bright tanks, and much more. It is their goal to help you grow your brand and your business and make your product stand out. Be different, look different. For more information, visit capsbottles.com. All right, so in the vein of um, collaborations, one of the collaborations has brought uh, Mr. Tillman into Pittsburgh. Is this your first time in Pittsburgh? This is my first time and first stop in uh, Pittsburgh. I'm glad to be here. That's right, because you came straight from, I may have had to drive up here and I came straight to East End, but you flew into Pittsburgh and came straight to East End, East End. to record this, so I appreciate you doing that. So how did, how did you two end up hooking up for this? We'll be on you, man. Okay, cool, cool. I got this. Um, so I have uh, the strongest presence that we currently have has been uh, Instagram as a platform. And, um, you know, when we first got started with it, Barrett was one of the first people to pop up. And, you know, this is a, a, a player, a heavy hitter in the, in the craft beer industry. And so we started, you know, communicating and, and um appreciating each other's work and very supportive from day one um, of what we had going on you know, we were in the infant stages so it's like all right yeah, I see you I see you and I uh, absolutely like yeah this guy's dope so we got we chatted and we kicked it around and we hadn't had a chance to meet or, or get across these uh, states until now but we stayed in contact and when this when we he was one of the first guys that one of the first five people that I was like, okay, hopefully he can be involved, be a part of it. And he was down off the top. And uh, that was it. That, you know, So we just started thinking about, I, I wanted to pair him with someone that I felt like they matched well. So that took a little time to kind of scout out what we had going on here. Um, knowing that his, his yeast and sour mixes are his, his uh, forte. Grist House was like a, they had just started getting into sours, heavy acid wash, and a couple of kaboom candy. I think kaboom candy has come later. That's current. Ka- but yeah, ka- kaboom yeah. candy or ka- kaboom candy, I believe it's called. But you know, they had they had started experimenting with those kettle sours, and um, I was like, yeah. So um, you know, again, he he was right on it. And been great communication. Uh, once we, I, I did it was what, the great thing about this. Let me just say is how supportive the, the PA breweries have been to this concept, this idea. Um, I went to Grist House and I, I had no blueprint or, you know, I had no resume for this type of stuff other than, you know, people respect that I'm a, a Pittsburgher and I have a entity in craft beer. Yeah. And they were like, all right, cool, let's, let's, let's try it. And, you know, once you get a couple bigger names like Barrett and Grist and Gnome and East End and they say, yeah, I'm good. I'm down with it. Then it helps you build the momentum to pull it together. And considering it's the first year, 
that was, was the uh, first one to say you're making this extremely easy on me because almost every time I have a question in my mind, you just go ahead and answer I, it. You know so what? thank you for that. It's like uh, <laughs> I tell you, I've done three or four of these in a row, and first couple I was just totally different <laughs> so once once you practice a little bit it's, it's, uh, get your spiel done um, but I, that was one of the things I was really happy uh, with talking to Scott to hear about like the the culture and the people involved in owning breweries in the Pittsburgh area it's just like in Maryland it's like a, it's a club of people who are willing to help each other and it's it's like a family yeah, almost. So definitely. it was nice to hear that that's not like an isolated thing. That's just with people who open breweries. The type of person that opens a brewery is it's a good person. Yeah, it's like a grass level movement, right? Um, all you're really trying to do is get started. Some form, fashion, you have a community, you want to support that community. So when I heard from, from Mike and he was like, hey man, I got this idea. He's like, okay, cool. Just let me know what, what you need from me. Yeah. And then you can you can roll from, from there. And I, I think that that's, that's what craft beer is. You know, it's, it's the little guys trying to support themselves in the industry where, you know, Bud Miller Cools, they'll, they'll roll in two pallets of beer into yeah. the store. <laughs> You're you just happy to Walk get a dollar. a couple six-packs. <laughs> so, so actually, yeah. let's start out, uh, Barrett. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I've read some articles about you. Um, I think you have a very interesting story. So can you tell us um, how, how did you get into beer and then your journey to where you are and what you are doing now? Okay. Well, um, that's, that's a great question because I'm rewriting that story as, as we speak. Um, I kind of I walked into craft beer from... Um, IT web design career and just started hanging out in the garage with my buddies brewing some beer talking a lot of shit <laughs> 15 minute timer I had to do something that kind of thing um, just competing amongst one another and um, so through that through that homebrew community um, was president of local homebrew club did a whole lot of work um, just kind of getting to know the locals sort of like like Mike getting to know what's going on in craft you know and once you feel part of that community and, you, and you're having some support you know you can walk into a brewery and have a homebrew club meeting or something like that and and bring your energy your face as I would like to say into into a crowd that doesn't really look like you um, it's kind of what I'm working on now the in search of black man um, project is what I would call it so a um, little bit of my, my history after pushing back from the career is home brewer with a, with a bunch of awards. And then after a bunch of awards, I said, hey, I, I want to give this a shot professionally. And um, started, started with cider. I was making cider for for company for, for a year with their master ciders. And then moved from there until... Um, getting to know my, my yeast cultures, launched a, a company for dry yeast for sour ales, um, which is pretty simple. You just pitch a pack of, of bacteria and yeast into, into a homebrew keg, and boom, it's, it's going to be sour beer. Um, so took that, took that knowledge and then was able to, to land a job working professionally at um, Deep Ellen Brewing Company, 
um, saw their program grow. Okay, so you started the yeast business before you started Absolutely. that brewing. Okay. Yeah. I, I ran around with a business plan of my own, and um, I quickly quickly found out that, you know, like, sours was something that people weren't into at that time, and the investment model wasn't happening fast enough for me. So I simply just took my, my knowledge of yeast and put that in a package, and, um, and that was something that I could do while I was trying to figure out what to do next, you know, and, um, and taking that knowledge into a company like Deep Ellum, I would say, hey... I got this plan for a specialty beer. Let's work together in collaboration. You don't make money until I make money, right? Or we make money together. Yeah. It's a commission-based thing, right? And um, John Reardon, the company owner of Deep Ellen, was like, hey, man, why not I just bring you in? We'll, we'll do this thing together. And it worked out really well, you know? How long were you a brewer there? Um, I, I came in as, uh, as a specialist. I was, I was running the Sour and Barrel program. So never really a brewer, you okay. know, just kind of always, barrel, always barrel in that, that um, specialty management, right? Um, so managing the entire program from start to finish, that, that included anything that was going to come out of the barrels, anything seasonally, as well as polishing the, the beers that we already had in cans. So, and that, that wasn't something that, that just kind of happened um, first, you know. Our head brewer at the time walked walked away, and so that just meant that my shoes got bigger. <laughs> yeah. So how um, how did you obtain all that knowledge? Were you just doing a lot of sour work in home brewing, or were you taking classes on in microbiology, or was it all self taught? Well, it was it was all self taught. Um, I, I think that science is the art of observation. Right. Um, what, what scientists are doing is they're they're using what they know and they're they're applying methods and procedures. Right. All things that you can learn. Right. To understand what's going on in the world around them. Right. And you, you take that one step further and you you couple that with passion and, and, and energy and, and drive and determination. And if you have some time after your day job, you can you can explore the world around you yourself. Right. And so as I, as I was traveling for work, I was collecting wild cultures from, from all over and um, just trying to understand you know, what's kind of going on here, um, identifying things like lactobacillus, identifying things like various strains of Britannomyces, um, lo- looking at the bacteria a little bit more closer and be like, oh, that's Pediococcus, you know, just, just another acid-producing bacteria. And then understanding fermentation protocol, you know. And um, just taking that knowledge and, and just having that thirst and that, that hunger. Um, and, then, and then also knowing that, that you know, it's, science is something that, that happens every day. It happens in our cooking. You know, it happens in our, in our, in our kitchen. It happens in our, in, our, um, in, in our yogurt and things like that. You know, so it's, it's not something that's foreign to us. So, does that answer your question? Yes, that was a great answer. Um, so now you're no longer um, at the brewery. Is that correct? That's Am I correct. Right? Okay. So you're kind of, you've taken your show on the road, yeah, so to say. Absolutely. So I'd like to say that I'm, I'm an artist in residence wherever I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
because um, you know, like I, I have this this deep fascination for for brewing, and um, I have this deep understanding of, of um, fermentation, and so a brewery like like this may may be stuck doing their core beers, kind of lacking that innovation, and so I I have two products that I can that I can um, work with the yeast and sour cultures, as well as you know like managing a production brewery, and so. And so knowing that I have that kind of in my in my canon of, of abilities, I just wanted to, to take that on the road and um, and explore what it means to, to trust your own talents, gifts and abilities to the community around you. you know? So now you're kind of working as a consultant to other breweries or is it more of like you're going and. The, the term often used, gypsy brewing and doing collaborations with other breweries. So how, what is the, the business model that you're working with? The, the business model, you can look at it like this. Um, I have Black Man Brewing. That's the, that's the yeast culture, right? Okay. So, so taking Black Man Brewing on the road is building a brand. So I'm in the business of building that brand right okay. now. And, and I can do that through collaborations. And I can do that through selling yeast and or beer that uses my my product. Okay. So basically, I'm just taking my product on the road. Awesome. And then you you bring your experience to teach people. You could teach people how to use it properly or the techniques of how to. Yeah, it's kind of difficult to walk into a production brewery with sour yeast and just waving it yeah. all over the place. You gotta <laughs> you gotta know what you're doing. You don't want to infect the entire place. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so yeah, you you have to. I have to come in with some expertise, and um, at at Deep Ellum, it was it was a forty five thousand barrel a year um, brew house. That's a you know that big that brew house <laughs> that did that did um, a lot of beer. You know we we were brewing on a thirty barrel system forty two times a week. You know the kettle was never cold, um, and then managing the the specialty we had to know what was going to come out seasonally and as well as how long we were going to leave stuff in barrels and so all of that kind of came out of my my wheelhouse how did it happen it happened organically over time you know um through through a lot of hard work and and dedication to to you know like making things right you know doing it the right way so what do you do you still enjoy kettle sours or are you um, a sour purist where you you only want spontaneous fermentation or yeah. the, what would be the proper term? Cold. I think I heard you say on the cold side or cold souring or that's, that's great. So let's 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 divide the sours for a little bit. Um, I think that sours come in four different quadrants, right? You have an American style sour, a Belgian style sour, a Flemish style sour, and a German style sour. Your Germans are going to be your your Berliner Weisses, your Gosses, right? Your Belgian style is going to be your Lambic and your Goose. Your Flanders is going to be your Flam, your Flemish Red and your Flemish Brown, right? And then you you throw in fruits in there. Your American style is going to going to embrace everything from from wild to hoppy, right? Yeah, we just do whatever we want. Absolutely. <laughs> and so and so kettle kettle souring is is this new thing where. You, you put the bacteria in the kettle because the kettle is on the hot side of, of um, production. And you can, you can get a nice little tart component out, out of that. And um, you can heat it up and 
put it through it the system off. with all of your other clean beers. There is a place for that. I, I don't I don't hate that. Um, I I like I like the the beauty of, of natural fermentation. Um, there there's a there's a delicacy that you don't get if you just cook it off. Um, but you know like like I think that for each facility they have to find what works for them. You know there's some beautiful kettle sours out there. Um, I'm I'm in the process of really kind of driving this idea of creating a house culture. Um, my my product, the the kettle sour mix, really focuses on brewers understanding the asset side, so that they can also express themselves with their house culture. So that kettle sour mix that I, a kettle starter mix that I have, can go both ways. You can pitch it into the kettle, and you can you can cook off the bacteria later, or you can pitch it into into a tank and or barrel, and add your house culture in there and keep it going for generations. I think that that's really where the artisanal aspect of, of brewing and a passion behind brewing really lies. I think that that's in the kettle you can mechanize it a bit. That uh, I can't remember who else it was, but I actually maybe it was even something I read from someone talking to you. But I, I've heard that same thing before that they feel like going forward, like that's one way breweries are going to be able to really put themselves apart from other people is what they're doing with yeast yes that the the flavor differences and the special um ness of of that brewery will be from their house cultures and by devoting their energy into learning more about yeast as like certain types of hops are harder to get in with fluctuations of hops that the yeast is the new frontier yeah and when when you really kind of dissect the brewing history yeast has always been the frontier um i remember just just studying this thing in my in my homebrew and i would open up a closet where i had i was culturing 42 different cultures and i was like man this is this is ridiculous i need to stop this <laughs> you know and and the best I could do is get it down to 17. And I had so, so I went from 42 to 17, and I, that just was so beautiful. I just wanted that. And, you know, like, at the end of the day, I was like, I have to make a product out of this. Which, so which you, one of you four can I use and keep, you know? Because so everything else you, is too You were home brewing on a different level than yeah, the rest of us. Oh, man, yeah. Because I would go buy a smack pack and just... <laughs> <laughs> no. Break that open and pitch that into the <laughs> into the fermenter. I wasn't uh, I wasn't culturing anything. <laughs> yeah, I I quickly learned that um, yeast was free. I didn't want to pay for it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so cheap, man. It's not that expensive. It's not that expensive. But, but now you don't, don't want it to be free. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. It was, like I said, it was very hard to go from, from 72 cultures down to, not 72, 42, down to four. So, so I find um, the different philosophies that breweries have when it comes to natural fermentation. I've, I've talked to breweries that, are, that staunchly believe you cannot have any barrels or any bacteria anywhere near the rest of their equipment. They have, if they're... If they're doing anything with natural fermentation, it's in a separate building. They don't even want it in a different room in the same building. And then recently I had a farm brewery on. He's like, 
like, yeah, we're just careful, and if something happens, we'll just scrub the brewery down. <laughs> it's so it's funny the gamut of uh, views people have to that. So where where do you fall yeah. in that thinking? Well, that's that's great because um, you know, like managing the the production at, at Deep Ellum on the on the on the specialty side as well as on the clean side, um, you have to have a, a deep understanding of process, right? And and where are you going to get bit in the butt by lazy practices? And separation is key, right? Because separation allows you to do both, right? Um, and the truth is, you walk into a brewery and there's millions of dollars of stainless steel. You don't want to yeah. fuck that up, you know? You want to you keep it isolated. Yeah. You know, it's, it's easier to lose a a smaller piece of equipment to to a sour than one of your main pieces of equipment. Um, but as brewers, what what we what we do is we trust our process, right? So, has has a clean brewery ever produced a bad beer? Yes. And and it's about how do you how do you identify and how do you recover? So I guess something I've never asked anyone before is like, how would you know? At, at what point do you know if you have a bug that's gone out of control? Okay. Is it when you've you've created a beer that's supposed to be clean and suddenly it's tasting funky and not at all what it's supposed to be? Or do do breweries who are doing both types just test okay. their equipment or like swab? Like, I guess I, don't, like, I know so little. I'll just, yeah, I'll just I would, let you answer. I would say that... Um, one of the greatest tools that I could recommend to any craft um, brewery is to invest in the um, Brew Lab or Brew Pal from um, Invisible Sentinel. It's it's like a little lab in a box, and um, it it allows you to do PCR um, species identification, not species identification, but DNA um, sequencing on the beer spoilers, which is is a quick little test. is like a is like a um, with child or, or without child pregnancy test with bacteria. <laughs> if you know something's wrong without bacteria, you can you can get that beer off the dock and out the door. And so um, there there's critical points. Um, anything on the code side, you know, you're you're doing ATP um, swabbing, and then um, every every brewery now, especially craft. Um, one of the ways that you stay in business is quality, right? And so, and so what you're what you're seeing is you're seeing more of these quality measures coming into smaller smaller production spaces. Um, something as simple as is being able to identify an off, right? Your your VDK, your um, which is diastole, um, making sure your your beers are consistent on its bitterness side, making sure that your contact time and your and your dry hopping is the same. You know, managing the the um, the kettle volume so that you're getting exacting gravities and things like that, and so that that's that's on the brewing process side that that keeps you consistent, that keeps your quality up. Um, and then I think that right now we're 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 having to take a deeper look at it because the competition is getting stiffer. You know, we're 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 no longer just competing within one another. We're competing with breweries that's 
still craft but owned by the big guy yeah and have endless the endless resources that come with that and their endless quality so that that drives up our our approach to quality so i think that it's something that we're we're going to take a deep deep look at um so now let's switch gears again and talk about black brew culture um so can you fill it um i guess just give us the history of how that started um what it is what you're doing with it what your what your goal is yeah sure um so black brew culture started uh it kind of offshot from our home brewing career um (laughs) it was uh you know the home brewing thing was like an aspiration to do all the stuff that barrett's doing um you know that's that's a that's a lifetime of knowledge that he's accumulated. But we wanted to get good at home brewing. We wanted to uh, be a brewery, a black-owned brewery, and get out here and compete. Um, and then you know it, it just didn't seem like the fit that we thought it would be in the beginning. So uh, I started kind of just saying, well, you know, what else is going on out here in, in craft beer for uh, black folks, African Americans, and. As I started exploring, I thought, you know, well, dang, this guy has got a really cool brand and he's got a really cool product. And why is he out here more like what, where's his coverage? Where's his, uh, you know, his reach? Um, does he even feel that need for that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I started exploring and uh, got got to know some some home brewers or actually, I'm sorry, some commercial brewers. And there was a lane There was like, hey, I don't have anybody that's telling my story or that's exposing my product and I said all right let's start let's start doing that um we started out with like I said a couple social media accounts and kind of broadcasting people's stories and we did some merch that helped help kind of revitalize some of the older institutions in, in craft beer that were that people don't know existed um you know a couple brands like people's brewing company uh Black Pride Brewery, well, even the early Harlem Brewery logos and stuff. You know, we kind of got some permission to get that going, and oh, cool. So it all kind of just evolved into this brand and this kind of movement that we said, all right, the next step is to create an, an, an online magazine and let's start reporting and blogging and getting these guys' stories out. And um, it's been a lot of work, and that part is still, you know, it, it's 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 ready to be launched a couple couple weeks here, less than a, less than a, about ten days or so. But um, it took, you know, it took a lot of work. But the whole gist of Black Root Culture is to to get this this exposure and to get these people connected and circulating more, so that people are like, you know, hey, I, I want to try this stuff. And you know, if a guy like Barrett spends all his time making beer and perfecting this craft. And he's not, he's an exception because he knows, he's well aware of, of what he's trying to do brand-wise, but some guys are just in the lab and they're brewing. And yeah. They're not, you know, focusing on that. But they, if, they're, if they're a real small operation, they don't have, yeah. they don't have anyone that knows how to or and is focusing on that they're they're fun. focusing on running the business exactly so. and for and for any small guy regardless across color lines across, yeah. across cultures if you if you're just starting a brewery you're the graphic designer you're the social media guy you're the brewer you're the driver you're the yeah. you see what i'm saying you're, you're, so, so you're responsible for so much 
and a lot of shit they don't even care to think about. And you know, sometimes it just takes one uh, one introduction, and it's like holy holy shit. Maybe I'll hire somebody for that, or it just kind of starts. Make that something I don't have to worry about. That's something I don't have to worry about, or uh, I didn't know that this existed. There's two two entities that can do some work together that neither had the time to explore. And and uh, so is the is the goal more to bring um, like. Uh, African-American-owned or brewed beer to the forefront or also to try to build, the, bring more African-Americans into the craft beer culture? Because it's definitely, it's much more than just a, um, like a, a product that's sold. There's definitely, yeah, definitely. it's definitely somewhere, it, it, there's a whole culture around yeah, it. Exactly. Good question. Um, and, and, and to answer that simply, we stopped putting a, a, a label on exactly what are you doing because yeah. there's all these components that needed help and need addressed. Um, black consumers, um, craft aficionados, they, some people that like beer, they just don't know that other kinds of beer exist. So that's a whole separate entity as opposed to exposing brands to, and helping people with develop their ownership uh, equity and things of that nature so it's 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 a lot of different things um, I'd, I'd like to chime in yeah. on, would, on that because um you know like um my role at the brewery in in texas at, at deep ellum um really really exposed my face to a larger audience mm-hmm. right and when, whenever, whenever you go from just being in your garage to, to being the face of a company, um, a, a, lot, a lot happens, right? Um, you have to, like, I had to be okay with, with being myself, right? And not, and not being afraid of that. And so, and, and I think that, I think that companies when they also hire african-american they're not fully aware of its impact either you know but they're definitely going to ride on the coattails of that um and so i think that as as an african-american in in any role even even in in corporate america right there there's a underlying um um identity that relates to our culture right and so I think you're you're right, Mike. You you can't put a finger on it, but you still just have to be. You have to be who you are in this industry, right? Because and in a way, whether you want to or not, there is a spotlight put on you that's not going to be put on me if I'm hired as a brewer. Mm-hmm. There's there there's going to be more attention paid to you being an African American, where ultimately it makes no difference to. Yeah. Well. Well. The just the just the face itself is is an open door for a new community yeah right and i, I think that did, that's important in craft because we're seeing a little shrinkage of, of craft did right? they see that did you did you attract new customers to the brewery by by being the face or <laughs> i'm going to i'm going to answer that in in, in a, a little bit less spirit than i than i would speak privately <laughs> <laughs> But um, oh yeah, you know I, I think that I think that my brand was attractive, 
you know. I don't, I don't think that I would have been hired for a high-profile role like that if I hadn't already done some things for myself, you know. But, but that's not just true of me or my black face. It's true of successful people, you know. And so, and so no, I, I don't want to just hide behind the race. I, wa- I want to say, hey, I've put in some work here. Yeah. And, and a lot of people have put in, put in work. And um, and I'm going to say it in a, in a low spirited way because you know I, I can I can I can kind of bounce back and forth in in the dynamics of, of what it means to to be black in this in this industry. Did and you find much negative um, negativity towards you being the head brewer there? Or no, be, or it, not wasn't, the head brewer, it wasn't. But any, the, it wasn't any negative. Okay. No. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't completely yeah. read. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not negative. It. It's um because in order to in order to um be successful and to do your your own thing to to be you in a sense, you already have to have a vibe that resonates with you that's going to resonate with someone else, right? Yeah. And so it's 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 beyond the color line, right? And the reason why it's beyond the the color line is because, you know marketing in america doesn't fully market directly to your culture you know unless yeah they found that magical nugget that says there's money there yeah and then you got the floodgates are open so as that starts to happen in craft beer with any subculture you know we just want to make sure that we're, we're profiting from that equally or in you know in the relevantly the equity is it needs to be spread so that that's something that I've heard multiple times. How like craft beer isn't marketed towards the African American community. What what do you mean by that? Because I guess part of the way I look at it is like there isn't a whole lot of marketing involved. In, I mean, I guess there is, but it's not like the typical type of marketing we think of when it yeah. comes to craft beer. Well, on a like, base level, it's just not on the shelves in in in, in places that most african-americans would food okay let me so yeah. to start there if so the go, the corner store that you're going to go buy your beer is going to be full of macro brands have you been to a corner store no i have not ever uh i'm sure i have i, yeah. I definitely you probably weren't like analyzing I, what was on the yeah show. i wasn't yeah i, I so. mean it was like i i used to install satellite right dishes th- yeah. throughout the pittsburgh area but I wasn't 21, so I was running in to buy a Coke. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, yeah, to- for sure. <laughs> um, that's the case, man. It's just not, it's not there. It's, uh, you know, the choices are limited, and um, there's a lot that people are miss out, missing out on. So when you say, oh, here, try this, and it's like, yeah, this is good, this is good stuff, then now you start to see consumers starting to seek that out. But um, So a lot of the then is simply just a lack of exposure. Absolutely, absolutely, to yeah. it. absolutely, and sure. Yeah, and and I, I think that that's that's what I um, enjoy about um, Fresh Bless because all all you're all you're really doing is facilitating that that conversation, you know. And and I, I think that that the minority focus has for too long waited on the bigger entity to, to facilitate the conversation. Yeah. we don't have to do that. Right, we can we can facilitate our own conversations. We don't need the the Brewers Association or or a big brewery to hire someone like us. We 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 can we can have our own dialogues, right? And 
and I think that I think that those dialogues usually happen at home. You know, they happen on 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 the street, and um, and that's that's just that's just the way life is here in America. And it, this is global. This isn't just this isn't just a problem. Um, it's I think that the marketing in general starts first with who has who who's the bulk of, of society and then and then we move and then we move into the smaller markets after and then some people exist fully in the spark in the smaller markets um and so and so the dynamics of, of things is is just that you know when when i when i pushed open the door of craft i didn't expect it to look like me you yeah know? It, well it, well to me yeah. if i would have thought that when i pushed that craft beer door <laughs> open that it was going to look like me you know not but but what I what I knew is is if I could push the door open, so could my brother, you know. And um, and, and there's I, a I whole bunch of people that can follow you in afterwards. Yeah. Absolutely. And I and I like the way that we've shifted this this whole focus from marketing when when because people will say that about you know what is our goal. Marketing is a, is is a, is a sinister term. Oh, it, it, right. It is exposure so was so much better a way of 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 of. of place in this because and i think that in the and especially when it comes to craft beer because i mean there are definitely you know there are some very large craft brewers now who have marketing departments and are doing actual marketing well i mean the sinister side of marketing possibly it's all a, it's all but, a matter of convincing you that what i have is for yeah, you and you could but, take you could do that by any means but scott at east end brewing is not doing that type of marketing. No, not so, at all. But it, he's not so, really doing any marketing. Yeah. To, to, for for African Americans, but exposure is a different. Like exposure is coming in and saying, "Hey, you know, try this." Yeah. Marketing Being is saying, welcoming. Not yeah. Well, not, I mean, just you you're, ex, you're exposing someone to something that they haven't tried before, or that they that might they might like in the future. Um, your, your your marketing can can be as like again as sinister as saying. This is completely bad for you, but I'm going to convince you yeah. that it, it's going to work and it's going to taste good or what have you. And that's not what we're looking for out of craft beer. As Barrett said, we don't want you to dictate to us what we should be drinking or what we should do. We can have this conversation for ourselves. And that doesn't take a whole bunch of dollars pumped into uh, an image or a brand or a logo. Have um, you ever watched um, Adam Ruins Everything? I have not. So it, it's a it's a show about a guy named Adam, and he goes through and he takes these things that everyone just believes okay. as that's the way it is or like that's the truth, and then goes back in time and almost always things that we believe that aren't true, root were are rooted in some sort of marketing campaign, <laughs> like just across the board. Mm -hmm. Like all these that people like universally believe that aren't real, yeah. they're rooted in a, a marketing campaign. Marketing brought malt liquor to the to Billy the, D. Williams to the community, yeah. right? And marketing brings a lot of poisonous down a little bit. Yes, uh, a lot of poisonous products to the the community, the black community, and any community, yeah. any any under uh, economically challenged community. Marginalized well, community. I mean, I think time and time again, it's been proven that it, like the black community has definitely been actively targeted, without nefariously, question. without <laughs> question. So we don't want to use that term as much as as it has been used uh, 
exposure is a good word, you know, because um, because exposure is like, you know, hey, let me try this. This tastes good. I, I may want to improve upon it. I may want to try different lanes on it, but it's my decision and my choice. And all the facts are delivered to me prior to me picking this this bottle yeah. up or this can up. So this I product. think it I think it completely makes sense, like the not being exposed part because the stores in your in the neighborhoods don't carry it but so like there are definitely some craft breweries but they also to double down they market the yeah, poison yeah they, they so you're not just you're going to have cases full of 40s i'm yeah, it's, it's it's it's, it's <laughs> completely opposite you have actual crap the app yeah the exact opposite that of, is that is beaten into you as far as like you know, was hey, it King Cobra? Man, that come the, on, man. We could. It's <laughs> about oh, Jesus, King Cobra. There, there's a Red, there's a couple blue, breweries in Maryland that always uh, bring up King Cobra whenever um, in legal debates when some of our politicians yeah. try to <laughs> make it seem like it's a public safety issue for craft breweries to sell more beer. Like, well, that store over there is allowed to sell as much King Cobra right. as they want. That, that's a good point. Um, so. But there's definitely a lot of areas where uh, craft brewery is built and put in place where it's a predominantly African-American community. But if you go in that brewery, it's almost the same, um, the same scene as anywhere else. It's a bunch of white guys with beards and either chubby or with skinny jeans. Yeah. I, so, um, I think that that's what America looks like, though. You know, when when you when you when you look at the landscape of of America, we're talking about minorities here, right? And um, you're right. Craft breweries usually will find their buildings and their locations in these underdeveloped areas. Well, who you think is in the underdeveloped areas? Minorities, right? It's not just black, right? Um, and so and so once that that brewery plants itself in that in that neighborhood right you do see a community around that that doesn't get to participate right but i I don't i don't think that it's it's vindictive i think that it's it's just innate right it it it's the same fabric that we we exist in america with right it's it's um it's it's part it's part of our our nature to isolate yeah, that's, right. that was going to be my next answer. Do you think it's it's just a symptom of, like, I mean, you can see it just looking around Pittsburgh, the different neighborhoods in Pittsburgh. People self-segregate themselves. And that's, You have the Polish area of Pittsburgh, right. the Italian area of Pittsburgh. Innately in, American, as, as Barry yeah. would say. Um, not a problem there. Uh, because what we found with Fresh Fest was that, you know, like the, the base conversations in the beginning, they were guys that they – they weren't, you know, they weren't racist or prejudiced by any stretch. Um, they just, they brew all day. Yeah. And if they fucking, they, don't, get, they don't have any friends. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it wasn't that hard to sell to say, hey, I got a guy, he's an African-American, and, he's, and, he, and here's his work, and what do you think about brewing with him? Well, he's, he's, he's all nervous, not because he's brown, because he... It's going to throw him off his ribbon. It's like, uh, yeah, uh, you got to talk to somebody? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't and, talked to anyone in months. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> not even my kids. <laughs> but then, you, then you, you, the commonality of craft beer and, and an artist up against another artist, which is so great with Barrett 
and grist. Um, you know, a little nervousness at first, but then as soon as they talked and they started to kick out the, the information and commonalities, it was like, yeah, no brainer. And now, now the real shit comes. Now it's like, okay, Texas brewing and what they're doing down there and his style versus my style and all this wealth of information that they could share and, and then make a beer out of it. And then after that party with it at the festival, now, now we're getting to the meat of what we're trying to accomplish and not so much black versus white. Yeah. It's totally not, a, not about that at all. So I guess, a, why, so why do you still think, like even in areas where there is a chance for exposure, do you, do you think it is like this, the self-segregation type of thing where... Oh, like you're not. Like, <laughs> like, that's a that's a loaded question. <laughs> well, no, I'm, um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it to be like. But, well, but it's, it's like just, so it's you you, you hang yeah, like it's just natural. You you hang out with like the the people you know and don't necessarily go out. I'll put it to you like this: to a, different areas. A often. brewery will drop in a neighborhood, right? And how would you know that that brewery is there? Sometimes, like like this brewery, East End, they started in the in the building that didn't have a sign. You had to know where the target is on yeah. the door. Wow, who do you think knew that that target on the door was a craft beer entity that was going to be that that was going to be inviting, right? And how far is the climb for someone who has no idea yeah. of what the fuck is even behind that door? Once you do get the balls enough to knock and get let in what am i drinking and what the you know what what do i ask for you know yeah that, so. that, i guess that makes sense too like why would you even want to go try it because all you know is it's something that you may have heard someone just say oh it's bitter i don't like yeah, that yeah you get that you get that you, yeah, you, you get that you, all you know of craft beer is like some of your buddies may have tried it and thought it was disgusting you're like oh i'm yeah. not gonna bother going there yeah so it's a process, man. It's it's all a process. Um, I also I also think that we we have to re- relax our our desire to to say that 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 we've been all encompassing because we haven't, you know. Craft um, craft beer has been marketed to affluent white people. It it just has that that's what the culture is kind of built around, right? And um, and so. And so when, when you see something that doesn't look like you and you don't fit in and when you walk through that door, everyone turns around and is like, well, you got you got ten dollars for a beer. Mm. You're like, mm. I got six dollars for a six pack. Right. <laughs> right. Right. But it's, it's it ends up to me. It's, it's the same story as as the wine boom, like 60s, 70s, 80s. Eventually, people get curious. They taste something they like. And then. There's a ton of black folks in wine. There's a ton of wineries owned by black people. The divide is not the same. I don't even know if it was this big a stink. I think social media has a lot to do with the stink oh, that's going on now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But there's the same trans- social transition. Social media ruins everything. Yeah, it killed us all. It's We're all mixed. doomed. But, you know, well, it's it just same. amplifies any, any amount of negativity. Yeah, and then you end up focusing more on the, the small occurrences that... Are, are you know yeah the, the social, more, uh, yeah. You know. social media can make the um the small percentages of happening seem, seem like the norm yes yes so um it's you know that's the way i look at it the, the wine industry experienced this this boom of african-american 
uh, drinkers and owners, and there was not very much hoopla about that. Um, take the hoopla away, and it's the same process here in craft beer. Yeah. And that's a um, before talking to Kevin Lodger, um, who's been on on Cap several Shout times. Shout out to Kev. He's awesome, awesome man. It was always kind of my thought of like, well, if I mean, if African Americans don't want craft beer, then like, <laughs> right? Why, that's not what, true. Like, why? <laughs> that's not true. It, well, but it was just like from the standpoint of like you hear like. Like trying to, like it almost sounded like people wanted to try to cram craft beer down African Americans' throats. That's the way the headlines look, right? Yeah, in it absolutely 100%. Like, that's the way it looked. And my thought always was, like, well, why? Like, if if they don't want craft beer, then don't make them drink craft beer. Yeah, (laughs) somebody took this whole thing and and ran with it, and and it's the age we're in. It's marketing, it's marketing. But it's like clicks. then, it's clickbaity. The it's, uh, the perspective he put it in, and he was like, he's like, put put aside the moral or the just being a good human part of it. It's like there's this whole segment of people I'm not selling beer to, and like I want to sell beer to them, and like I want to look around the tap room and see people like that. that's it's, nice. I mean, the, 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 the see people like me thing is is great because it's it's comforting, and you yeah. want that. But at the end of the day, I, I want to be empowered, and I want my folks to be empowered. If, if, if we're going to be involved in this industry, then we need uh, uh, some equity. Again, it's, it's bottom line. It's yeah. a fair shot. It's a fair shot, right? It's a fair shot. And that's it. It's not about, I don't want to be in your tap room if you don't want me in your tap room. If you want to have a 100% white establishment, there's nothing further from where I want to be than your, your space. Yeah. But the good thing, though, is I would say that there are a lot of white people who are in the craft beer community who also would not want to be in such a place. Good for them, too. I, 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 I side with them on that. Yeah. I absolutely <laughs> side with them on that. But it's beer. And at the end of the day, it's it's a it's it's it's, it's like, a great it's equalizer. A, it's a, it's like a steak, man. <laughs> you can cook it any way you want to. There's yeah. no black steak. There's no yeah. white steak. <laughs> there's no, you know, so we can get that beer and we can do whatever we want with it. It just happens to be as a, as a whole a story within the industry, but I don't need I don't need pulled into something. You know, I'm not trying to stop the you know, the first headline that I did a podcast for a story that was done on, on what we were doing. Uh, black group culture aims to, to, to overthrow the bearded white guy. Oh bubble. my goodness, <laughs> dude! It was I like think, I think I saw that. that one? Yeah, uh, I did see that when and, I started and, looking up. A, <laughs> no, no, at no fault to the reporter. I think yeah. that was uh, Celine uh, from S- next Pittsburgh, I believe. I don't know who it, it was. It was one of those one like, of city paper type. Yeah, man. Uh, and public. and the, and the interview was was awesome, man. It was great. It was it was very descriptive of, of what because we had the long conversation yeah. that we're. It's having quite now. possible she didn't have anything to do, to do with that. Oh, I, I'm t- okay. I know that yeah. for a fact. A copywriter. We, we is both were you. like, "What the fuck is yeah. this?" And it's like. And and then and then the, the the first like rebuttal was well he's got a beard and what the hell <laughs> it was it was well I can tell man. you the the um the title of this podcast will be episode number whatever it ends <laughs> right up being on. dash <laughs> Mike and Barrett and then an explanation right of why on, I'm right talking on. to you I, th- I think your, I your impact is going to be less I'm just saying <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah don't expect <laughs> to sell many yeah so should I go with two Let's angry space. yeah get two, two, two angry right. black men forced me yeah. to tell their story or? Yeah, do that do that yeah, uh, yeah. I think that held me down and shaved my beard afterwards. Right. Yeah, no doubt. How stupid, man. In, in craft, I think that um, 
all, all we're all we're trying to say is, hey, we like beer too, you know. And and the the fun the funny thing is, Heineken started the conversation. Oh really? Yeah, Heineken started the conversation from a marketing standpoint. From a marketing or? standpoint, and and Heineken did that in a way that craft is is embracing. Right, and that, and it was just the the commercial with the person sitting across from another person with the beer, right? I don't think I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, the, now, the the more we discuss this, I don't know where this black white shit came from. I mean, you could say that coming from our organization. All right, it's black group culture, but we've always had the need to promote our culture. Yeah, just for lack of exposure, so that doesn't. No, I think it makes complete. Yeah, it makes complete you know, sense. Um, but as far as this great divide, it's just a it's just a simple matter of exposure. Yeah. That's it. End of story. At the end of the day, and it, that that and that's I I agree with you one hundred percent. Especially when you point that out, like it's you know, the stores that most of the, most of the time you're going to just. Like as you said, they're they're presenting the poison to you, not the the craft beer. Absolutely. Yeah, and from from my brand, um, Black Man Brewing, it allows me to tell my story. You know, I thought that the the strongest thing that that I had in life was to learn how to identify with myself. You know, and to and to not be afraid of of that. And I, I think that the public, the the people. They all they always question you know, like why why black and my my response to that is why not I was just gonna say why not you know, why not you know um, and I think that I think that America as a whole and craft beer as a whole has to ask that question every time they they see someone that didn't look like what craft beer was marketed as when they walk through the door well why not you know and just go from there. Uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for your time. Um, you've had a long day, Barrett. Uh, so I really More appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. Let's do it. Um, thank you for your time, Mike. Um, tell people one, one more time, where can uh, give run through the details of Fresh Fest, and where can people look up for uh, black beer culture? All right, black so, brew culture. Sorry, I got that. Yeah, right. no, no worries. Um, so you guys can get anybody can get, and then please anybody can come to Fresh Fest. Um, you know, please don't feel like uh, there's too much diversity going on. This is a fun day. It's going to be a great situation. A lot of collabs. Um, you can get tickets at freshfestbeerfest.com. Uh, there's an event page on Facebook, Fresh Fest 2018. You can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at FreshFest Beer Fest. And um, check for blackbrewculture.com in a couple more days here, a week or so. And as much information as we can gather and, and put out about craft beer as a whole, focus on black folks. Um, you know, get some culture in your life. It's, it's not a, it's, you can go back to being whatever nationality you are after you read an article or two. After you join Fresh Fest and have a good time, go home and be white again. Go home <laughs> and be black again. It's, we're not telling you to change anything. Yeah. Have some fun and experience some stuff that you Expose you, you yourself to things that you're not you used to. You haven't maybe had, had happened. Some of the food is going to be uh, you know, a little different than what you might normally have, have, have experienced on a regular. 
That's okay. That's <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right, so I end every episode with a shot oh, of dear. single malt hop-infused whiskey that I made with McClintock Distilling. Oh, dear. Barrett said he did not want to partake, so we will come not on, make man. him Don't have any. That. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick out this one. <laughs> Don't come to Pittsburgh and not. So um, thank you once again to Craft Alliance Packaging Solutions. Thank you two gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers. And uh, to your ginger beer. Cheers, Cheers. For uh, <laughs> joining me. And thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. Cheers. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.